live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. You know, we've just passed the 50th anniversary of the death of Marilyn Monroe. Can you believe it? 50 years ago. Um, discovered, well, depending on the timeline, uh, either in very early in the morning, uh, say around 3 a.m. on August the 5th, 1962, she was discovered in her bed dead of an apparent overdose, acute barbiturate uh, poisoning uh, by her housekeeper Eunice uh, Murray and her psychiatrist, I believe, at the time. Um, although, as we'll discover over the next hour, there are a lot of sort of uh, mysterious inconsistencies, uh, keeping in mind that um, some suggest she may have been murdered. Uh, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a suicide. She was, in fact, murdered. That's one theory. The other theory that we're actually going to um, delve into right now is that Marilyn Monroe was tricked into a... Uh, faking another suicide attempt. She was notorious for this, to get attention, poor thing. Uh, but this time she was tricked into uh, committing suicide, giving the means to do so, and then she was allowed to die, even as she was crying out for help. Pretty twisted, evil plot. Um, but wait till you hear who my next guest thinks was really at the center of that plot, who was orchestrating that plot. My uh, guest is a retired psychologist, a retired L.A. clinical psychologist, and uh, he is the author of Marilyn Monroe, Murder by Consent, A Psychologist's Journey with Death. Dr. Jack Haddam, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine. And I had the great pleasure of visiting you in your home. met your lovely wife as well when we uh, traveled out to, uh, to San Clemente. Uh, California to um, to shoot an episode for the uh, conspiracy TV show. Yes, you did, and I appreciated your coming. Well, um, where do we begin? Let's let's begin with the um, the. Uh, let me begin with your interest in Marilyn Monroe. You are a, a retired okay. clinical psychologist, but you right. used to work for the suicide hotline in Los Angeles. Did no, you not? The suicide prevention. Suicide center. prevention. Okay. Yeah, and the Suicide Prevention Center opened its doors about a week after Marilyn uh, died. And we were asked by the then county coroner to investigate her debt. Uh, he didn't want to deal with any of this. He, in fact, uh, hired a very inexperienced coroner to do the inquest, uh, Yamaguchi, and uh, he watched while he did the uh, autopsy, and then he turned the whole thing over to us in 1962. And I happened to be have joined that agency at that time. And and so and you were were you a Marilyn Monroe fan? Yes, I loved Marilyn Monroe. I I fell in love with her from the asphalt jungle. Who uh, she was only a couple of years older than me, but I thought she was spectacular. And and what was it about her death that uh, that troubled you and led you to believe it wasn't uh, acute barbiturate poisoning or uh, attempted or a, a suicide or an accidental overdose? Well, over the 40, uh, over forty years, I started reading 
other um, authors about her. And at the time I started to write the book, I was just, you know, uh, beginning to believe there was something very phony about this whole thing. I had lived through the Cuban Missile Crisis when she was uh, murdered, and uh, I, I began to believe that there was there was a lot of cover-up that we found out later. Uh, there was there was so much of uh, what was going on that was not talked about or even found out about during that period of time. And as I was writing the book, the FBI files became available, indicating that they were listening in as she was being murdered, as well as the CIA, as well as a private investigator. So there were three different groups, all of whom knew each other, uh, listening in as she ended her life. Um, I, I wonder if we could maybe revisit the the timeline leading up to the discovery of her body at her in her bed in her Brentwood home on uh, Fifth Helena Ave. Um, now, there's some controversy as to who she was on the phone with. She was found with a phone in her hand, was she not? Yeah, she was speaking to uh, Joe DiMaggio Jr. at uh, the. Uh at the uh, Pendleton, Camp Pendleton, which is adjoining San Clemente, as it turns out. But he apparently told Joe DiMaggio, his father, what she had said. And uh, he, Joe DiMaggio, in the FBI files, said, I'm going to kill Robert Kennedy as soon as he's out of office. Ah, okay. So we're going to we'll just jump right in and we're going to name yeah, we're gonna jump right in, Robert yeah. Kennedy. Uh, okay, well, well, we'll sort of work our way back to, to Bobby and, and what he had, okay. uh, how he was involved. But so, so when they found Marilyn, when she was yeah. discovered by her psychiatrist and I believe her housekeeper, she had this phone in her hand. Yes. And, and this was the last call she made to her, I guess, her former stepson, Joe DiMaggio Jr. Well, actually, she was calling Peter Lawford. She had spoken to DiMaggio's son earlier. She knew what was going on, obviously. The, the Kennedy, Robert Kennedy had made believe that he was up in San Francisco. But he and Peter Lawford came during that afternoon and had a, a, a row with Marilyn, probably because he, had, he said that he wasn't going to marry her after telling her repeatedly that he was going to marry her. And she threatened to go to the newspapers. And uh, he kept, I think he was after her red diary, where she recorded everything she had ever learned from both Jack Kennedy and Robert Kennedy. The red diary, by the way, disappeared on the day of her death and showed up five years later in the hands of Sidney Skolsky, a Hollywood uh, reporter. Who never revealed the data in the in the red diary? We should just uh, uh, let me just back up uh, and remind listeners. Dr. Jack Haddam is with us, retired clinical psychologist psychologist from Los Angeles and the author of Marilyn Monroe: Murder by Consent: A Psychologist's Journey uh, with Death. So first, we let's just back up and establish Marilyn Monroe. Um, I think you know many of us have heard the rumors that she had a fling with the president John F. Oh, yeah. Kennedy. Now this. 
fling. Some have said it was a it was a one night stand. Oh no! Uh, but no, would no. you know differently? What, what what can you tell us about her affair? Oh, well, first of all, the, with FBI, the president. FBI files clearly indicate that Jack had more than a one day fling. And in fact, he visited Los Angeles and had a uh, what you might call an orgy, according to the FBI files. Not only with Marilyn, but with some other women. And the FBI files also report that she had these lesbian affairs, which a new book has just come out with. But that was part of her personality disorder, which I wrote about in my book. She didn't believe sex was anything more than going to the bathroom. And it didn't make any difference whether it was a man or a woman. And and so her her affair with, with John F. Kennedy... Uh, at this point, the the FBI were 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 still surveilling her, and and, and um, oh, for a long time before that. And and was it because of her her first marriage with Arthur Miller, who, yes. who was considered a communist? Is that By the reason? By the way, that's not that was her third marriage. Her third marriage. I'm sorry. Yeah, with Arthur Miller, Miller, who they considered a communist. Yes. And that's when they started to to uh, tap her phones and and What's keep an so eye. So extraordinary is that the real communists were her psychiatrist and her housekeeper. Eunice Murray and Ralph Green, Greenson, Greenson, who I knew personally. You knew Ralph? Yes. He was a very charming man, by the way. Okay, so back to Jack Kennedy. Um, so the FBI, these files, incidentally, they've been declassified. How did you, how did you come to see these files? Um, an Australian newspaper declassified them, and then I got a hold of them myself. And, there and, were 80 pages of information, but I only used three pages of them in my book, the pages directly connected to her last day of life. And at what point did John F. Kennedy tell Marilyn that's it, we're through? Was it uh, the day? Oh, it was right after she sang happy birthday to him. That was uh, Jackie Kennedy said, this is enough, Jack. If you don't get rid of that woman, I'm going to divorce you. And that's when Jack Kennedy cut off contact with her, and so did Robert. At what point did Robert have his uh, dalliance with with Marilyn? Give us a time well, frame. It was in early. It was in '61 and '62. So and Jack and Robert were having Contra's ranch for orgies, and they went to Mexico, according to the FBI. Mm-hmm. You know, now, for many, you have to understand something. Yes, the Cuban Missile Crisis in the United States was a very scary period of time. And I have a letter sent to Jack Kennedy by the uh, chief of operations of the CIA who told him directly that Marilyn was a threat to the country. Because? Well, she knew probably that there were 12 CIA teams that had been flown into Cuba in the, in the jungles that were operating against Castro at the time. And you, and it's believed then that Jack would have told Marilyn all this during pillow talk and she would have yes, written it all possibly. down? Possibly, yes. Yes, he was not very discreet, I think. Well, some, uh, some anyway, of... Anyway, that's the supposition, because right. why did they, did her diary disappear? And how, I mean, how do we, how did we come to know about this red diary if it disappeared? Had, had, had people known about her diary? Was it well known no, that she kept a diary? Was, it came up in the uh, various investigations. Uh, and, and I think the FBI mentioned that 
Robert Kennedy was trying to get it from her. Okay. The other thing is there are other authors who have written about this. And uh, right now there's like five other books on her murder. I don't know what they're saying, but they followed mine. And uh, there's going to be a movie next year uh, called Marilyn Monroe Murder at Fifth Alberta Drive, which is going to reveal even more information because I'm in that movie and I listened to the private detective who was listening in on her her uh, life at that time. And he has 12 hours of tape. My word. Doc- what happened there? Dr. Jack Haddam is uh, w- with us, the author of Marilyn Monroe, Murder by Consent, A Psychologist's Journey with Death. More in a moment. Stay with us. The truth will set you free, but first, it'll really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. And uh, welcome back. Uh, Dr. Jack Haddam is with us. The book is Marilyn Monroe, Murder by Consent, or uh, um, a, a psychologist's journey through death. And uh, Jack, um, the uh, getting back to the timeline here for a moment. Yeah. It's it's has it been to your satisfaction sort of nailed down the the the, the time of death, or is that important? Because I've heard 3 a.m. I've heard yeah. uh, 9 p.m. Uh, Eunice Murray has changed changed her story a number of times, and then she right. left the country and wouldn't talk about it anymore. When yeah, did she die? I, nobody knows exactly. The fact is that she wasn't dead initially when they found her. She was taken off in an ambulance to the hospital and died in the ambulance. And then they took her home and put her back in bed. So even the the position of the body was not the original position. Which is interesting because in the coroner's report, yeah. uh, Marilyn, there was bruising on her body. Uh, there was what they call lividity uh, on her back and buttocks, which means that yeah. she probably died on her back. Yeah. Yet she was found face down in her bed. Yes. And she was naked originally. The other interesting uh, thing is... She to sleep naked anyway. When when the police arrived, they reported that Eunice Murray, the housekeeper, was washing her sheets. Yes, I know. It's ridiculous. I, I The first report, I think, was at 12.45. And then the police weren't called until 4.25. Uh, and nobody explained that either. The, the fact is there was a cover-up by the police at the highest level also. And uh, there was cover-up by all the government agencies as well. Robert Kennedy and and uh, Peter Lawford visited her on that day in the afternoon. Only Robert Kennedy tried to keep it a secret. Unfortunately, he was in a car that got a ticket and so the, it was revealed that he was in Los Angeles when he claimed to be in San Francisco. And again, he so he was having an affair with Marilyn uh, around the same time that his brother Jack was? Earlier, in fact, yes. But but at some point they were both having an affair with her. Yes. His was more serious and she he spent more time with her than Jack did. You know that it just it's such for people who admire Robert Kennedy and I am I I am one. Um it's it's hard to fathom such a, a man who who seemed to have such morals. Uh, that yeah. he would do something like that. Yeah. I'll read you something from the uh, FBI files. It said, Robert Kennedy was deeply involved emotionally 
with Marilyn Monroe and had repeatedly promised to, to divorce his wife to marry Marilyn. Eventually, Marilyn realized that Bobby had no intention of marrying her. And about this time, 20th Century Fox Studio had decided to cancel her contract. Okay, so... That's in the FBI files that I've just read. All right. So now that she's been dumped by Bobby and she's been let go by 20th Century Fox... Yes, she was really annoyed. (laughs) I guess, and she was... She was convinced. Now we're getting into the crux of the uh, this plot. She's then convinced by Bobby and Peter Lawford that if she if she attempts a suicide again, and she's done this before, yes, she'll win the sympathy. She'll gain sympathy and maybe get her job back at 20th Century. Right. Um, Peter Lawford and Bobby convinced her that if she made believe she was committing suicide that 20th, Fox, 20th Century Fox would take her back and that Bobby and Peter Lawford would do everything they could to get her contract back. Now, what, something I didn't know at the time, and I was told recently when I was talking about my book, is that Dean Martin refused to continue the movie she was supposed to play in unless she was given her contract back. Oh, interesting. Something I didn't know, and something she didn't know either. Isn't that interesting? Well, that's good to know, as a, as a, as a huge fan of Dean Martin, that he yeah. would do something like that. Yeah. So, um, let's continue on with this plot. So, Bobby and Peter convince Marilyn that, it, that if she attempts suicide, or fakes an attempt at suicide, yeah, she'll win. So, so, what was the idea, that she would take just enough? Yes. Uh, and that she was told that she would be woken up. Unfortunately, she got double the usual dose. She had trouble sleeping, so she took sleeping pills from her regular physician and from Dr. Greenson. And Eunice Murray gave her the pills. Interestingly enough, uh, there was no water found at her bedside, which was one of the confusing things for the first officer on the scene who thought there was something wrong with the whole situation. No glass of water to wash the pills down. Right, exactly. And apparently Marilyn uh, had, you know, she had this aversion to taking pills because she was always gagging even if she took lots of water. Yes, right. So it would make, yeah, it would be curious that there would be no yeah. glass of water there. Right. So then what, what is, what, what's the takeaway from that? that? That she was maybe delivered, it was delivered by enema or suppository? No, I think that she actually took the pills because she believed in Peter Lawford. Peter Lawford was somebody she trusted. She didn't trust Bobby, but she treated Peter Lawford. She trusted Peter Lawford, who in effect was kind of her pimp in terms of Jack Kennedy and Robert Kennedy. And this is Bobby and Jack's brother-in-law, Peter, who married exactly. their, their sister. Yes, exactly. So, uh, and in fact... He, she called him just before she died, trying to reach him, and he qu- claimed that she couldn't reach him because her, his phone was somehow not working. But right after that, Robert Kennedy called him and said, is she dead yet, according to the FBI files? So they had tapped his phone as well? Yes. Where, where would he have been calling from, where they would have been able to tap his phone? Know. I we don't know. I have no idea. I'll tell you something. You have no idea 
how the federal government was involved in Maryland's life from from long periods of time. Do the the actual tapes of the the phone taps do those still exist somewhere? Oh yes. In fact, I listened in on the private detective's discussion of the 12 hours of tape that he had uh, about six months ago. And he was describing that he knew exactly who killed her and how she was killed. And so the, these these tapes would contain Marilyn's phone conversations? They would, oh, yes. Bobby's voice would be on those tapes at some point? Yes. Peter Lawford's voice? Yes. Only he's not... Uh, he, he's being very cautious with regard to that. But the FBI files has been have been revealed they're for everybody to see and i put the important files in the back of my book but isn't there some um some i don't know disagreement as to the the provident providence of the these fbi documents whether or not they are 100 percent authentic i i never heard that okay so you're convinced that they are they're, they're redacted you I, in my book Parts of them are blocked out. Sure, sure. You know, especially with names. Although they had no problem putting in Robert Kennedy, Peter Lawford, Joe DiMaggio Jr., and Joe DiMaggio. Well, that's interesting, isn't it, that they would not have redacted or crossed out their names. And I'm wondering whether there might be a motive here for the FBI to do this. Oh, uh, sure. Because J. Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI... Absolutely hated Bobby Kennedy. Absolutely. So, do you think it's possible that J. Edgar Hoover wanted to to, to frame Bobby? Of course. I, I think it's more than possible. I think it's very likely that he held on to this to control Bobby and Jack. But but what I'm suggesting is that that he J. Edgar Hoover, that is, ordered that Bobby's name be included in this plot, maybe, maybe even if he wasn't involved. Oh, I Is that a possibility? True. No? It's, uh, no. If you read these, uh, it, it, it just follows in order. And, and not only is the FBI involved, but the CIA and this private investigator who so, listened in also. You know, by the way, all three of these uh, agencies knew about each other. They knew that they were uh, taping her. Was Marilyn aware that she was being surveilled? She wasn't aware. No. Now, one author claimed that Dr. Greenson and Eunice Murray were part of a communist cell and that Robert Kennedy could, as attorney general, knew this as well and could control their behavior so that they became part of the plot. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, my understanding is that um, Eunice Murray had been fired that very day by right. by uh, Marilyn Monroe. Is that true? Yeah, she was going to be fired. She hadn't been fired yet. So was Dr. Greenson going to be fired. And why was that? Do we know? Well, I, I have information from other sources that he was sleeping with her. Murray was sleeping with Greenson. No, not Murray. Greenson was sleeping with Marilyn. Ah, okay. Interesting. And he moved her into that house and did everything that was um, the kind of thing that no psychoanalyst ever does. 
He shared his life with her. He had her over to his house. He apparently slept with her, for, according to sources, my personal sources. In fact, he was held up at the Psychoanalytic Society as the example of what not to do if you're a psychiatrist. So Eunice Murray and, and Greenson obviously were in on this plot. Yes, absolutely. You notice that Greenson didn't even show up when Murray told him that she was dead. At 12.45, Mary apparently called him and said that she was dead, and he didn't show up till 4, till 3-something. Well, this is interesting, uh, because there's also um, Marilyn Monroe's uh, agent, um, Arthur Jacobs, was apparently attending a concert at the Hollywood Bowl, not too far from Brentwood, I think. No. Uh, around 10.30... He received a call uh, from, I believe it was Marilyn's lawyer, oh. saying that he, that she was dead. This is at ten thirty. And thirty. Ja- and Jacobs leaves, and Jacobs yeah. leaves the Hollywood Bowl uh, with his wife, and he was also there with director Mervyn Leroy and his wife. Uh, again, after being informed by Mickey Rudin, who was Monroe's lawyer. This is at ten thirty. I never heard that before. And yet. We're being told she wasn't dead at the ten thirty. No, that she she was she was dead at twelve forty five or or something right, like that. Yes. So she talked to several people at the time in between. And again, Eunice Murray kept changing her story, obviously, yes. because she, if she was involved, she, yes. she was tripping over herself. Is it true that she left the country and wasn't questioned again? I don't know about her. I knew Ralph Greenson, and uh, I didn't know her at all. And it was a very surprising to me to find out that they were part of a group together. Um, and I, I don't know anything beyond that. Did you ever question Greenson? No. <laughs> no, remember, this happened uh, 40 years before I ever started writing a book about it. Right, right. Okay. No, I never questioned Greenson. And the- I, I knew him because... Uh, I was a professor at the USC Medical School, and he used to come and lecture there. But aside from that, that was our only connection. All right, let's go to the phones uh, for Dr. Jack Haddam, and we say hello to Elsa in Toronto. Hello, Elsa, good morning. Yes, hello. I'm calling to ask you, I read a book on Marilyn, and what they said that uh, when they did the autopsy on her body, they found needle uh, prick marks on the back on the shoulder, which she could not have possibly injected herself on her own. Right. And also, uh, Doctor, what they were saying was that she, because she was good friends with Frank Sinatra, and he gave her a dog, and because of the mafia connection, she called the dog Math, she was also going to go to the mafia, because this was one way she could really hurt Robert Kennedy, uh, since uh, Robert was fighting the mafia. Can I have your comments on this, please? Well, I have no information about the Mafia connection, but I'm pretty sure that Marilyn was not... She actually was was going to talk to the newspapers. She had threatened to have a press, press conference the day after her death. And so that was the big uh, scare. And, in, and this was during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So the country was in high alert at that time. Uh, but I don't know anything about a mafia connection outside of the fact that she had 
a lot of orgies at Frank Sinatra's ranch with Robert Kennedy. My word. All right, we'll take a time out. Dr. Jack Haddam stays with us. The book is Marilyn Monroe, Murder by Consent. We'll also get to your calls. Rose is in Guelph, Ontario. You're up next. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the New World Order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. It's uh, Marilyn Monroe, and it's uh, 50th, uh, 50 years uh, since she passed away, or murdered, or was tricked into committing suicide, according to uh, Jack Haddam. Dr. Jack Haddam, retired clinical psychologist uh, who was working on the suicide prevention line uh, center in, in um, Los Angeles about a week after Marilyn died and was asked to investigate the suicide. Let's uh, go back to the phones and say hello to Rose, who's been waiting patiently in Guelph, Ontario. Hello, Rose. Good morning. Hi, Richard. Good morning. I have a, I have a question for your guest. All right. Okay. Dr. Jack Haddam, go ahead. Okay. First, about the traffic ticket. He said that it was traced to Bobby Kennedy. Yes. And I find that really hard to understand because surely he didn't drive his own car from his no, home, no. wherever that was. It was a chauffeur-driven car, and the okay. chauffeur got the ticket. But the policeman recorded that Bobby Kennedy and Peter Lawford were in the back seat. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he didn't second, get the ticket. Okay, so the second thing I had to say was, uh, why would Marilyn be tricked into committing suicide, faking her suicide, because she thought the studio would take her back when they released her because of her erratic behavior and her continual tardiness to the set? And they also yeah. blamed her for Clark Gable's heart attack in the last film they had together, which yeah. was both their last films, The Misfits. She blamed herself for that death, as well as Montgomery Cliff's death. Okay, but also they, a suicide attempt wouldn't really help her cause to be accepted back with open arms because it would just prove her that she was more, unstable more and unreliable. Yes. yes, that's true, but <laughs> we're not looking at what she was feeling at the time. Uh, it, it's, you know, logically, it makes no sense. But Marilyn was not a logical person. She had a disorder which made her want to do what people she trusted suggested that she do. It's called a borderline personality disorder. She was very malleable with people she trusted, and she trusted Peter Lawford. She didn't treat, trust Peter uh, Bob Kennedy but nevertheless, she was easily convinced to do things which made no sense. Thanks for the call, Rose, in uh, Guelph. And, of course, it, it, uh, the idea was not to convince 20th Century Fox to take her back. They weren't going to. The idea was to trick Marilyn into thinking if she did this, they might take her back. Yes. So, uh, now, did, did, did Peter float this idea, or was it Bobby or both of them together? That, that I she... think Peter mostly. 
because at this point Bobby had already told her he wasn't going to divorce, correct? Right. So she yeah. wouldn't have she wouldn't have been interested in hearing anything from Bobby at this point. No, not at all. Although I I don't really know what happened there. Uh, I know the private detective knows, but I don't know. So um, then I'm just trying to th- to figure out how this would have worked. Uh, uh, Peter or Bobby then instructs her psychiatrist at the time, Ralph Greenson, to administer, was it a barbiturate, was it Nembutal, what was it? Yeah, it was a barbiturate, and it was on top of other barbiturates that she'd been given by her physician. So it was a second dose. And so Marilyn starts to feel a little bit uh, groggy, and she's waiting for, I guess, the ambulance to show up to revive her. And when no, the, for them to revive her. Or for her, them to revive her. Murray to revive her. And when they don't, she picks up the phone and she calls... No, no. No? When they don't, she gets a call from uh, Joe DiMaggio Jr. Okay, and that's when she says... And that's when she tells him, and he tells his father... That Bobby Kennedy's doing this Yeah, he was at Camp Pendleton at the time. Right, right. Jr. was. Now, it's interesting, you know, Joe DiMaggio never remarried. Marilyn was apparently the love of his life. Yeah. Of course, he sent roses to her... Every day, I think, for five years or something after she died. Yes. Why didn't Joe ever speak of what Joe Jr. told him about Bobby Kennedy? Well, he did in the FBI files, apparently, because they say specifically that he was going to kill Robert Kennedy when he got out of office in the files. So they must have heard it somehow. Right, right. I don't know how, but that's what they heard. But That's he, what they wrote down. But he never... In public, anyway. Well, Bobby Kennedy got killed, you know. Right. Very shortly thereafter. Uh, six years later, yes. Oh, was it six years? Okay. Well, he was guess he was waiting for him to stop running for office, or maybe it was just talk on his part. Right. Right. Well, and let's not forget the Kennedy family, pretty powerful. Yes. Um. Very. So one wouldn't necessarily want to be speaking ill of one of the Kennedys. Right. If they were capable of killing Marilyn, who else would they kill? Exactly, yes. Dr. Jack Haddam stays with us. We'll take a time out, come back, and continue to delve into the murder, by consent, of Marilyn Monroe, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To reach Richard... Call 416-360-0740. Dr. Jack Haddam is with us, retired clinical psychologist from Los Angeles, the author of Marilyn Monroe, Murder by Consent, A Psychologist's Journey with Death. And again, just to summarize, uh, the idea is that Marilyn Monroe had had an affair with Jack Kennedy, then had an affair with Robert Kennedy. When Robert Kennedy basically spurned her, told her he was not going to get a divorce and marry her, she threatened to hold a press conference. And, of course, she had kept this red diary containing all sorts of, who knows, state secrets, keeping in mind this is at the height of the Cold War, the Cuban Missile Crisis, where where um, Americans were, uh, well, the world, really, uh, were walking on eggshells thinking this could be the end of the world, quite literally. That's what the mindset was. So if the CIA and the FBI, both of whom were surveilling her during her tryst with Robert Kennedy, suspected that she might spill the beans, some some state secret relating to the Cuban Missile Crisis, one can understand why they might decide she had to go. In any event, Jack Haddam 
details in his book Murder by Consent that Peter Lawford and Bobby Kennedy convinced her, probably Peter Lawford primarily, convinced Marilyn that if she faked another suicide attempt, she might win some sympathy, get her job back at 20th Century Fox. And the plan was that she would take these barbiturates, she was already taking sleeping pills, she would be revived at the last moment by her housekeeper, Eunice Murray, and her psychiatrist, Dr. Ralph Greenson. But when they didn't revive her, and when she realized what was happening, she called out for help, but it was too late. Dr. Jack Haddam, uh, interesting, yes. someone just emailed um, this to me. Yes. Apparently in 1985, People Weekly, uh, it was a magazine, their cover story reported that 2020, popular ABC News uh, magazine program, 2020 had canceled a segment about Monroe's relationship with the Kennedys and the circumstances of her death. Barbara Walters, Hugh Downs, and Geraldo Rivera were reported to have a reacted angrily to the cancellation. The staffs of both the BBC and 2020 had been working on this story, and all of these investigations had started after the 1979 death of Ralph Greenson. Uh. During the BBC investigation, they had interviewed Eunice Murray. Eunice Murray initially, for the cameras anyway, repeated the same story, that she had told the police in 1962. Then, as the camera crew started to pack up, she was heard to say, why at my age do I still have to cover this thing? Uh Unknown to her, the microphone was on, and then Murray went on to admit that Monroe Monroe had known the Kennedys. She then volunteered that on the night of the actress's death, she said, quote, when the doctor arrived, she was not dead, end quote. Uh-huh. There you go. Isn't that interesting? Yes. I know she had a part in this. There was no question about it. And so did Dr. Greenson. How has... I, uh, I don't see how they could have been controlled except for the fact that Kennedy was the attorney general and knew something about them. Bobby Kennedy was, you know, beloved. And, and there are many, myself included, who think had he lived, he may have even been a better president than Jack. Yeah. Um, how has your book been? Re- I know others have, have mentioned this, and the FBI files came out, in, in, um, you know, alleging that Bobby Kennedy was involved in this plot. But mm-hmm. ha- has there been any sort of backlash against you because Bobby's so beloved? Everybody says that I should have had a backlash, but everybody is dead who was involved in this, and so there's never been a backlash. Oddly enough, I mean, people keep saying, aren't you crazy to have written this? Isn't it dangerous? But I have never heard of anybody from the government bothering me whatsoever. But were you, were you a fan of Bobby Kennedy? Yes, and also Jack. So how did this make I you feel? I was a big fan of both of them mm-hmm. until I found out what was going on. But that was four years ago, so... Uh, until four years ago, I was a big fan. Now, uh, the whole world knows a lot more about Jack Kennedy and his uh, problems with women. And in I fact, think, it may have been his indiscretions that were at least partially responsible for his assassination. The theory is that the intelligence groups felt that not only was he addicted to painkillers, but he yeah. was having all of these 
uh, affairs with women, and um, who knows what he was telling. In one case, uh, he jumped into the sack with a, uh, a spy from East Germany. Yeah. And so that may have been the reason they had to take him out. He was too dangerous. Well, I don't know about that conspiracy, but I know that Jack Kennedy uh, found that women relieved the pain of his Addison's disease. At least according to him. Interesting, interesting. Uh, you mentioned that the conspiracy uh, to cover up Maryland's murder extended to the L.A. County's county coroner's office. Now, well, not the cor- not the coroner's office. No. The police police okay. department. Chief Parker covered up a lot of evidence, and uh, so it was right at the top of the police department. Not not the coroner. The coroner. Uh, Thomas Noguchi uh, just didn't want to touch it so he passed it on to us and he passed it on to an untested uh, county coroner called Thomas Noguchi Noguchi, yes Yeah. who would later perform the autopsy on Robert Kennedy right, oh really? yes oh I didn't know that well he'd gotten a little more experience by then I guess I know, They, they made us deputy coroners I was a deputy coroner is that right? Yeah, they made every one of our scientists at the Suicide Center deputy coroners. And did you have any inkling back then that there was something no. fishy about this story? No. Plus, I was involved in other things that I was doing in terms of research. And and it was an intense, satisfying, exciting year that I spent there. I mean, it was extraordinary. Because of Maryland, they put our number in the newspapers and in magazines and our hotline started getting calls from people as far away as brazil the suicide prevention center hot yeah and i was on the hotline along with the other people there and uh, my god i mean you'd get calls in which people told you that you have five minutes to save my life and we learned how to do that in five minutes yeah i think that's important we should spend a few minutes uh, uh jack talking about that because that's one of the things that, uh, as you say, it's, you've put it in the book and it's important to talk about is, is your work with the Suicide Prevention Center, uh, and, and what you learned and how you can save lives, how anyone yes, could anyone. potentially save the life difficult. of a suicide, uh, someone who's, who's attempting suicide. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. How, how do you do it? Well, first of all, what we discovered, first of all, what we learned is how to recognize that somebody was a serious suicide, how to stop the suicide from happening, and then how to treat it afterwards. Now, the most important thing that we learned, because we only had a couple of minutes on the phone, and sometimes people would speak in broken English from another country, is, one, we made clear to them that we cared whether they lived or died. And it was important to us that they stayed alive. And secondly, the most important is we would always ask them, how long have you suffered from this feeling? And they would say three months, six months, a year, two years. And the answer to that was, would you give us a week to help you? And that seemed to resonate with most people. Because it, it made some kind of crazy logical sense. Right. If you've suffered this long, what's one more week? Yeah, what's one more week? And that made a difference. I never lost anybody in that whole over year and a half that I was at the suicide center, as far as I know, of course. Um, 
and uh, and we had the most suicidal people in the world. At our, we had people walking into the clinic with a knife in their stomach. Oh my say, lord! And waiting in the waiting room for us to see them. Oh my lord! And then we had people trying to jump off our roof. We actually tackled one person who was trying to jump. We were on the fourth floor, and then an old county hospital building, which was meant to be torn down. And, 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 and I mean, is... it was really uh, exciting and uh, very uh, important that we learned these skills. And it's interesting that that uh, Marilyn's death really brought exposure, even though you contend yes. she didn't die of a suicide. But it it really uh, right. brought a great deal of um, yeah. Uh, it focused the whole world on us awareness to this. Yes, we had about nineteen scientists working at the center at the time from all over the world. By the way, did did the fact that it was the Cold War, it was the the, the you know the Cuban yes. Missile Crisis, have anything to do with the the suicide rates going up? Or attempted suicide? No. No? No, it didn't. It almost had me committing suicide. I, was, I heard when, at the last moment when the Russian ships were approaching our ships, and, the, uh, and if we were going to stop them, it would start the war, uh, the sirens in L.A. went off. And I was certain in the middle of the night that we were all going to die. My word. I remember you you telling me that you were driving in, in L.A. and you grabbed your wife's hand and you squeezed it and you said, I love you, dear. Right. You yes. Thought, you thought that was the end. Yes, I absolutely thought that was the end. Well, that was two years before, well, a little over two years or not quite two years before I was born. Uh, <laughs> so obviously I don't remember. I but, I mean, it's hard to imagine how anxious people would have been at that point. Well, what was most people didn't notice is that the troops were being recalled in the newspapers Little articles said, report to your base. And I, I started noticing those. And I thought, oh, my God, we're in the middle of the next Third War War. Hard to spec- uh, speculate at this point, but had Marilyn not been murdered, do you think she would have followed through and held that press conference the next day to get back at Bobby or Jack? And, and oh, No? Yes, absolutely. She would have. Oh, sure. Why do you believe First that? of all, Marilyn didn't have the greatest judgment in the world. And, and what people don't understand is Marilyn Monroe is a figment of Norma Jean's imagination. She created Marilyn, and she even said, people don't love me, they love Marilyn. But she was not Marilyn. She just played Marilyn all of her life because she had no a, a self-identity at all. Given her background, she didn't know who she was. And so she devised Marilyn as a alter ego. But she knew the difference between her and Marilyn. And do you think she would have divulged what was in that red diary? She might have uh, acted like she was going to. I don't know whether she would have. And where did this red diary end up again? It's Sidney Skolsky, a uh, Hollywood publicist, five years later. Who never said what was in it either, but by then nobody cared. I'd so still, I'd like to. The missile crisis was over. Wouldn't you like to see what's in that red diary, Jack? Yeah, I would. <laughs> I don't know where it is now. That was what Robert Kennedy was after when he visited her in the afternoon. Indeed, and she it cost her her life. Yes. Well, I. It started with her singing "Happy Birthday" to Jack Kennedy. 
That's what started the progress down to her death. Because Jack then canceled his connection with her, and Bobby did the same, and that infuriated her. And here we are, 50 years later, still... Yes. Still um, speculating. isn't it? It is. Dr. Jack Haddam, thank you so much for this. Thank you. Good All luck. Right. Murder by Consent, Marilyn Monroe. All right, uh, my thanks to David Gaskin for technical production. Back next week, we're going to talk about the uh, the shooting spree in Aurora, Colorado, and uh, whether uh, this uh, young Holmes character, who's facing 24 counts of murder, he killed 12 people, but uh, he's charged 24 times in order to uh, double their odds of a conviction, I guess. Now that we've had time to grieve the victims of that shooting, we're going to look into whether or not Holmes may be a Manchurian candidate. I'll talk to Robert Duncan, the author of Hacking the Human Mind. Hope you'll be along for that one. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.